Welcome to the Scotland's Choice podcast. The journey to our referendum is underway, so join us as we discuss how together we can build a fairer, a more equal and a more prosperous Scotland. Our goal is to ensure that our listeners are informed, that they're encouraged to get involved and will hopefully inspire others to think about the possibilities for Scotland. Because... As our country renews, we need to choose our own future before somebody else chooses it for us. I'm your host, Drew Hendry, MP, and in this episode, I'm talking with Stuart Hosey, MP. Stuart has represented Dundee East since 2005 and was a previous deputy leader of the SNP. He shadowed international trade before taking on the role of Shadow Duchy of Lancaster and Shadow Minister for the Cabinet Office. He was educated at Aberty University and enjoys riding his motorcycle and supporting Dundee United. Stuart, thank you very much for joining us on Scotland's Choice. A pleasure to be here. Stuart, you've been, you were here through Labour, Coalition and Tory governments. Have any of these governments, in your view, ever put Scotland's needs front and centre? No, they haven't. And this is really the best time to ask that question. I remember in 2015, uh, the carbon capture and storage project, uh, it might have been Peter Head, uh, the billion pound uh, project was pulled at the last minute for no apparent reason and lo and behold they talk about it and talk about it they reintroduce the competition and Scotland loses out again it's almost as if they've been buying time for that project for Scotland to become a world leader not to come to Scotland uh, so the answer is no oh, occasionally there's a few crumbs here or a few crumbs there but I've yet to see a concerted unionist policy in 16 years here which really delivers for Scotland. Now, I'm covering trade uh, in Westminster just, more, uh, just now, but you've covered trade through the, the Brexit process. How was Scottish business treated uh, during that time? Uh, well, Scottish business was ignored. Uh, to be blunt, UK business was ignored. <laughs> but Scottish business, and particularly some of the markets, were ignored entirely. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're a big company, you trade around the world, less of an issue. If you were a smaller company, if you were in agriculture, for example, if you were an SME who sold with no inhibitions whatsoever to and from Europe, and we all could see the warning signs there, your voice was completely ignored while that ideological experiment went ahead at full tilt. And a good example is, for example, small and medium-sized distilleries. The UK government crow about the opportunity for whiskey, mm. but they've seen their cost of goods go up 20%. That's, oh, that, 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 yeah. that's, uh, that's just the start of it. Yeah. Uh, I have a business in my constituency who buys uh, rolls of fabric from Poland. Mm. Uh, they were previously charged next to zero mm. for carriage maybe 30 euros. Mm-hmm. Now they are routinely being charged a thousand euros a consignment. Mm-hmm. That is utterly unsustainable. So given the situation that they put Scotland in, and as you say, you know, businesses across the other nations of the UK as well, uh, what, what are your thoughts on the desperate scramble uh, around the world now for new deals? I'm thinking about you know, the ones that they've been trumpeting about Australia, New Zealand, etc. Well, there's two bits of that. There was a big dash to kind of roll over the deals we already had by being part of the European Union. But when it came to Norway and Switzerland... Sorry, they've been, they've been claimed as new deals. Well, they, 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 they were meant to be rollovers. Yeah. But as I say, Norway and Switzerland, just to give two examples, mm-hmm. they didn't roll over what we previously had. Mm-hmm. The real sadness is we had to rely on the Swiss and the Norwegian media uh, to find that out. And in this last week or so, we've had the New Zealand deal trumpeted, you know, great things, all these opportunities. 
The impact in terms of the UK mm -hmm. is 0% GDP growth, but it's a great deal for New Zealand. Mm -hmm. The problem is, in their desperation to sign any kind of deal, they have risked absolutely butchering Scottish agriculture. And while you're talking about butchering in Scottish agriculture, the Farmers Union and others have been up in arms about the uh, the effects. The, the principle that's been put in place with these deals in terms of what's going to happen in terms of imports now and the unfair competition the, yeah. for, for goods that are you know produced under very, very different circumstances. Well, therein lies the problem. I and mean, we had fight after fight after fight with many of these rollover trade deals mm. to ensure that agricultural standards not exactly how you did it, but the standards were enforced as part of a trade agreement. Uh, and the Tories fought tooth and nail to stop that. And we can now see why. Uh, you know, they're opening up our market to meat in particular that is not produced to the same standards that we do in Scotland. And that could end up in the long term being a huge problem in terms of public health yeah. and in terms of the agricultural sector. It, it is not just the um, you know the standards that's produced to, which is bad enough because you've got things like pesticides being used yeah. on feed, you've got uh, steroids being used in terms of the meat production itself. But the the animals themselves are you know treated in a very different way. You know, Australia still sanctions forty hour transit yeah. without food, water. Um, there's various and branding, live branding as well. You know, th those are. So things of real concern, aren't they? Well, there are a whole bunch of nasties uh, that in Scotland and in the UK, people fought to stop. Mm -hmm. We're now rolling back the tide, rolling back the clock on many of those gains and advantages. Mm -hmm. Bad news for the animals mm -hmm. and extremely bad news mm -hmm. uh, for the farming sector in Scotland. And Scotland could be doing much better. One example of that is the fact that Brexit seen an enormous reduction uh, in trade across the nations of yeah. the UK. We still see the effect. It was 33% down a few months ago. It's still down and struggling to recover to any kind of level that where we would expect it to be. Will the, um, the the argument against independence, will those who argue against the right of Scotland to choose its future, will they use that as a reason to say that Scotland's not big enough, strong enough to leave the UK? And they'll try to, uh, but there's, a, there's two issues. Uh, the first is all of the things they said about Scottish independence turned out not to be true. Mm. And all of the advantages they claim for Brexit have turned out to be absolutely false. So first of all, <coughs> no one's going to believe them. Mm. And secondly, it doesn't quite work like that. We know what the cost of Scottish independence might be because the UK government have told us this. We know what the cost of Brexit is right now and it's huge. Scotland, if it opens up again and trades with 26 other countries, quite happily, we will more, more than make up the losses, if there are any, in terms of Scottish independence. I think this is win-win, mainly because no one is going to believe a single one of the scare stories from unionism this time. And they've seen the results of that. Yeah, I mentioned the National Farmers <coughs> Union of uh, Scotland a few moments ago. Several influential bodies and organisations in Scotland have been robustly highlighting their concerns about UK government trade deals and the way they've been treated over Brexit. Do you think the UK government's approach uh, to trade is having an impact on the prospects for independence? No, well, I think if anything, it's hardening opinion in favour of independence. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you've the choice of two futures and you can see one in front of you, led by Boris Johnson and people like him, you're rolling back the tide 
on many of the good things which we had and which we have and which we want. And you see independence, which will reopen the door to Scotland contributing and being able to benefit from being part of the world, and indeed the world's largest trading bloc. Uh, I think this strengthens the case for independence. Well, supporters of the Union would also uh, often tell us that Scotland couldn't uh, survive as an independent country because the the bulk of our trade, the vast majority of our trade, is with the rest of the UK. Why is that? Tell us why that argument's flawed. Well, I'll, I'll tell you exactly why it's flawed. Because the UK government have told us themselves. You'll recall when the Internal Market Bill was published, the government published a, a white paper. And in that white paper, there was a gravity analysis. And the gravity analysis was very clear. It said the cost of a border effect between Scotland and the rest of the UK would be about 1.1% of GDP mm-hmm. for Scotland. We know the cost of Brexit is 8 or 9% of GDP. It's self-evidently the case mm-hmm. then that if we rejoin the European Union, which an independent Scotland would most certainly do, then we end up in a position where our economy can boom and if there is a modest 1% GDP cost initially to independence, that is absolutely swamped by the increase in revenue and revenue yield and GDP growth that we'll get from rejoining our friends in Europe. If that wasn't a powerful enough argument for people, I think it's also important to point out that the vast majority, the bulk of the goods that we actually produce in Scotland, we make, things we make are not, as you might imagine, exported across the border to the rest of the UK, um, but actually exported to Europe and the rest of the world. I think it's uh, the last figure that we had was something around 62% of those goods that we manufacture. A lot of the goods across border tend to be in services or things like oil, gas, uh, water, renewable electricity. Renewable electricity being one of the ones that are going to, in- it's going to increase, obviously. Mm. And, and you wonder, uh, what the uh, response to, to that would be in terms of the border relationships. Would they not want these things? Well, of course they'd want them. I mean, I think we've got to draw a distinction between what you know unionist politicians say during a campaign mm-hmm. and what governments mm-hmm. do after Scotland becomes independent. Mm-hmm. We had this in 2014. Yes, of course. I think there was some UK minister said, we're not going to buy cheap green energy from Scotland. We're going to buy expensive nuclear <laughs> energy from somewhere else. Now, you know, that sounded great as a soundbite during a campaign. It's just stupid. Yeah. Uh, and I think when you begin to unpick and dismantle some of the madness of these arguments, you know, we're in a pretty, pretty strong position. Also, in a, I have a clear recollection of this, I can't remember the exact years, but I looked at the growth in exports from Scotland to England and the growth of exports from Scotland to the EU and indeed to the rest of the world. And for you know, year after year after year, the growth to Europe was far larger. Mm. And common sense tells you that if we can continue to trade with the other 55, 60 million people on these islands, that's good. But if we can trade freely with no additional cost to half a billion people, mm. then surely to goodness we take a hold of that opportunity and we don't restrict ourselves simply to trading on these islands. And it always strikes me when you hear unionist politicians debate and argue if they can form a cogent argument, you know, their world stops and starts in London. Mm -hmm. Scotland's world 
is global. On, on that point, I think it's important to just underline the fact that Scotland is already a strong trading nation, isn't it? It is indeed. Uh, many, many of the things we sell, uh, whiskey is the obvious one, uh, food and other drink products, obviously, energy, obviously, education and our skills. Life sciences, satellites. Life sciences, satellites. <laughs> and, you know, the list goes on. Yeah. These are being sold into global markets. Mm. It's not a little parochial view that oh, we can only sell it to Leeds or Manchester. You know, this is a global country with global ideas and a vision that goes way beyond way beyond the boundaries of Great Britain. And listeners might be interested to know that uniquely amongst the UK nations, since records began, Scotland is the only country in the UK that's exported more than it's imported. Well, indeed, and you know. I think when the campaign for independence gets underway properly, I think one of the messages, I think we need to amplify more this time, is that we're a net exporter, that's a really strong starting point. Mm-hmm. We're energy self-sufficient, that's an extremely important thing to be able to say. We're also self-sufficient in food. Oh, that doesn't mean some things are exported and some things are imported, but we're a net exporter of food. Our starting point is absolutely brilliant. And I think if the public understood, you know, we're not dependent on the so-called broad shoulders of the United Kingdom. Those shoulders have got arms that are dragging us down. Well, indeed, you know, we we stand on our own two feet. We do extremely Mm. successfully. And with independence, where we can deploy our resources to the national advantage rather than to someone else's national Mm. advantage, that's when we begin to really motor. Now, you mentioned the Internal Market Act and the white paper showing the cost yeah. of border there. I think it's important to address uh, something that was out, got a lot of media attention at the beginning of the, the year. Um, the LSA report that came out, which indicated that independence would cost Scotland three to four times uh, more than Brexit because Scotland sells more to the rest of the UK than Europe. Now, we just covered some of the anomalies in that just now uh, were there, but why, why else is it important to uh, recognise that that's a flawed uh, argument? Normally for LSE, I've got to say, London School of Economics normally produced some good stuff, but this one was a bit wide of the mark. It was extraordinarily wide of the mark. It may have been focused on a very, very, very narrow section of trade, something perhaps which is also produced in England and in Scotland, but it didn't appear to be. I think there was a degree of extrapolation from very limited numbers in that Well, it only covered one aspect. Correct. Uh, And to to then extrapolate that over the entire economy was fatuous. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was universally ridiculed at the time. Uh, Including by other members of the LSE. Oh, indeed. I was was about to say, you know, in terms of a peer review, it was done very publicly indeed. I think we can discount uh, that report in its entirety. And I think anyone who prays in aid that particular report is on a sticky wicket when it comes to real campaigning. Okay, well, let's look ahead to an independent Scotland trading. Would an independent Scotland have a more ethical trade policy than we're getting through the UK at the moment? I think it's difficult to see how it wouldn't. (laughs) I mean, for example, we simply wouldn't cut trade deals Mm. that allowed some of the things which the UK government are prepared to accept. Uh, we've been incredibly uh, uh, clear that when you're looking at international trade deals and uh, arbitration, uh, mediation, uh, you know some of the secret court things that only allow investors mm-hmm. to sue governments. You know we have consistently opposed those. So it's hard to see 
how our trade policy wouldn't be more ethical yeah. as we moved forward. But we've had government ministers actually saying, look, human rights are not uh, you know, a deal breaker for, uh, for doing trade deals. We already know that there are prospects of doing uh, deals with uh, regimes that uh, you know are uh, you know are accused of genocide and uh, other human rights uh, abuses. Yeah. This is something you could, you wouldn't imagine the Scottish public or elected uh, members in in Scotland putting up. With, would you? No, I, I think governments would recognise. You know, not every country is going to have exactly the same standards of governance. I think we've got to understand mm. and respect that. But when it comes to those countries. You know, with arbitrary detention, with torture, you know, where people just disappear. I think you've got to draw the line. Well, there's two things I'd like to uh, finish on. The first one is we, we, we're obviously we're looking forward now to our referendum, which is coming uh, soon, and uh, we'll be having the arguments around that. The, we've talked about the attack on trade by the UK government in terms of the Brexit, the horrible Brexit deal and some of the other things that they've been doing, such as the New Zealand deal and the Australia deal, etc. Will the uh, unionists dress up uh, the failures that they've created as, as Scotland's failures and, and try to say that, you know, again, because that's gone down, we can't be independent? It would be stretching it for that to be uh, successful. Mm. I've no doubt they'll try to use their own toxicity the toxicity of Brexit against the independence movement. I've got absolutely no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. But this uh, is now in the territory of the law of diminishing returns. Nothing they said in 2014 was true. Mm -hmm. We didn't stay in Europe by voting no. Mm -hmm. We were forced out of Europe. Mm -hmm. So I think even if they deploy the arguments, frankly, they're on a hiding to nothing. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and the other thing I wanted to, to ask you about, Stuart, is it, from your own perspective, from your experience covering uh, this brief, what are the opportunities for independence? The opportunities are huge. Uh, Scotland is well liked. In the sectors where we're strong, you know, life sciences, uh, in satellites, uh, in food and drink, where the quality is high, where the environment is good, uh, where the labour is incredibly well educated, you know, we're pushing at an open door uh, with an extraordinary range of products and services and many, many of the people who work in those companies, institutions, are world class. Mm. So, you know, we go at the table with a whole queen of advantages, a trusted brand, a brilliant workforce, a great environment, a stable democracy. Uh, I can only see good things and advantages from that starting point. Stuart Hosey, thank you very much for joining us on Scotland's Choice. Thank you. To round things off, I asked Stuart to sum up his thoughts on the Westminster scramble for trade deals in the wake of Brexit. Well, they're an absolute joke. I mean, they've just lauded this deal with New Zealand. It will have zero growth for the UK, but it risks absolutely hampering the Scottish farming sector. And what he thought of the UK's decision to push ahead with Brexit in the middle of the global coronavirus pandemic. Uh, well, we've seen the numbers, and the numbers are catastrophic. Uh, the effects on real people, real businesses, the costs to those businesses have been horrendous. I just hope we can claw that back. But the UK's decision, at best, was extraordinarily reckless. And finally, how Scotland can do trade in a better way after independence than UK trade policy that's been inflicted upon us so far. We can do better by cutting our own deals, and we could do substantially better by rejoining the European Union and taking advantage of the global reach that that huge trading bloc has, we would be 
masters of our own destiny, cutting deals that played to our strengths and being able to say no to things that were damaging to the economy. Don't forget you can find new and previous episodes of Scotland's Choice at scotlandschoice.scot. If you can share this podcast, it can help others with their decision on Scotland's future. Thanks for listening. I'm Drew Hendry and I hope you'll join me next time on Scotland's Choice.